To have passion in life is everything. What's your Everest? Oh, is it yeah. that 200 inch box? They just look so impressive when they're wide. Especially running away. <laughs> Welcome to this week's episode of Eastman's Elevated. It's like a think tank for outdoor activity. Sounds exactly like my hunting. Just always thinking about it, always trying to evolve it and make it better. Here's your host, Brian Barney. Hey, what's happening, guys? Got a brand new Eastman's Elevated for you. So on today's podcast, I have on Tyler Geiger from Knock Performance. Uh, so I met Tyler through a mutual friend, and then, um, man, I've got to know him. We've done this podcast, and then uh, we just recorded one for his podcast. I'll make sure to let you guys know when it's released. But um, just a super solid guy that's a absolute go-getter, and he's early in his bow hunting career, and so... He's obtaining knowledge, he's training hard, he's taking the right attitude, he's learning as much as he can learn, and I think it made for a real interesting podcast. So today we talk all about uh, human performance, human improvement, we talk about the mind and mindset needed uh, to have the right approach when you're taking on bow hunting and and how long the journey is and, and where you're at in that journey. But I really enjoyed the conversation. Uh, it's Vintage Eastman's Elevated, so I think you guys will really enjoy it too. And uh, thanks again for Tyler taking the time and coming on the podcast. Make sure to go check out his podcast, Knock Performance. You can find it everywhere that you get podcasts. So we'll get right into it. I just want to thank a couple of my sponsors. Uh, Eastman's Elevated has a brand new sponsor. Uh, so it's Silencer Central. So they build silencers for rifles. And silencers, you know, they have some some advantages in the backcountry. Like, obviously, they're going to lower the noise. Uh, you know, less noise is going distur- to uh, disturb animals way less. So... Uh, you know, you may be able to get a follow-up shot or that animal doesn't know where the shot's coming from. I think it improves accuracy with reduced recoil. I think it helps reduce uh, trigger panic or flinch with your rifle as it does, you know, reduce that recoil. Uh, you know, and also uh, it's going to help your ears, you know. Uh, anybody that's hunted for a long time, including me, starts to lose their hearing from shooting rifles, and this is definitely going to make a lower decimal uh, uh, sound as the rifle goes off and protect your hearing so you can hear those bugles for years to come. So uh, go check them out. They're at Silencer Central. Uh, the A great silencer is Banish Backcountry. That's their ultralight silencer. So go check those guys out, and we'll show them so, so, some support. Okay, I also want to thank Zamberlin Boots. Uh, I've been using Zamberlin for the last handful of years, and I, I just love them. So they've come out with these lightweight shoes that are built a little bit burlier with a great grip with their Vibram sole. They're waterproof, so you don't get dust or water in your shoes. I just absolutely love them. My favorite pair is the 215 Salute GTX-RR. And this year, they came out with a, a mid-boot. So this mid-boot will give you a little bit more ankle support, still going to be lightweight, still going to be waterproof. I think that's going to be a great mid-height boot. Uh, or you can check out the low cuts like I like, the 215 Salute RR. Uh, they have some 214 Half Domes, which are a Velcro shoe, which I use mine all the time. I've had them for a couple years. Uh, those are way discounted, like 40% off. They're going to discontinue that shoe, but it's a great one if you guys are looking for a deal. Uh, I'm also using, um, let's see, I think it's the um, Free Blast. Um, let me just look it up here real quick. 
Oh, the Anabasis. They have a free blast that I like as well. I do have that shoe. Uh, but I think another one of my favorite shoes is the the 220 Anabasis Short GTX. Uh, so again, it's a great shoe. It seems to be really comfortable, a lot of room in it. They also make a mid-height of those. Uh, but they just don't cut any corners as far as craftsmanship, as far as materials. Uh, you know, they really build the absolute best boot they can. I've never had a boot stay waterproof for as long as Zamberlin's, and I've never had them hold up to the abuse that I put on them with all the miles and elevation, and then, you know, also working construction in them will tear up a set of boots, but these things just last. Uh, so if you guys are in the market for some new boots or shoes this year, make sure to check them out. And uh, these lightweight shoes are great. Like I always say, a pound on the foot is like 10 on the back. And when you have lightweight footwear, you can just do more miles uh, with less fatigue. So make sure to go check them out over at Zamberlin. I also want to thank Sig Sauer Optics. So I've been using Sig Sauer Optics. I'm so impressed by their glass quality of optics. I uh, believe they build the best rangefinders in the market where you can put your arrow speed into the the uh, uh, rangefinder to make sure that you have the exact cut on uphill and downhill. Uh, just great uh, ranges on light and dark targets, powerful laser to be able to shoot through grass, and a rangefinder it, it is such a huge part of bow hunting success, and Sig Sauer builds a great one. So check those out. Uh, check out... Uh, They've actually got their new Zulo 6s. So this is, they're going to launch them here in about two weeks or I think it's around May 6th or May 10th. And I'll put it out on my social media. But these Zulu 6s are the image stabilizing binos. And what they did is they put a whole bunch of money into these things to put their high-end glass in them uh, to really make them perform as well as they can make them perform. And I have the old sets and love them and think they're a game changer. I can't wait to get these new ones in my hand. In fact, I'm checking my mailbox every single day as I think I'm getting a, a pair of the 12s and the 16s to try out. Eventually, they're going to have a pair of 20s, and I think they're also going to have a pair of 10s, which I'm interested in, which I love around my chest. But be on the lookout for these early May. They're going to sell out quick. Uh, get a pair of these things. I mean, on a windy ridge, you're totally stable. Uh, you know, I've, I've transferred over my buddies to using these things. Uh, they're just an absolute game changer. And now with this high end glass in there, I am so excited for these things. So be on the lookout for those early May. I'll let you guys know here on the podcast. Uh, and then I'll also put it out on my social media, but, um, be in line to get a set of those things. They're insane. And I, I like their standard binos as well. I have a pair of uh, 11 by 45s and then also have a pair of their uh, 15 by 56s, which are amazing on a tripod. Uh, great glass. Uh, also use their spotting scope. Uh, they have a, uh, I think it's a 16 by 16 by 50 by 80 mil objective lens. Just great quality, great scope. So check those out as well. And uh, anything else that they produce, rifle scopes. I have one on the rifle that I built up. Great rifle scope. So um, check those guys out. Sig Sauer Optics. Also check out Black Ovis. Black Ovis is an internet retail shop. Uh, they have absolutely everything you need for your next hunt. Uh, I have a promo code in there. Uh, Elevated 10 will save you 10% of your order. They carry all the top name brands as well as their own name brand. Uh, anything you need for Western hunts or um, uh, any outdoor activities, make sure to check them out, Black Ovis. 
Also check out Camel Fire. Camel Fire is that app that has all those great deals that come up, 80 new hunting deals every 24 hours. And if you watch that thing, you can save a pile of money on great gear that was overstocked or that they need to get rid of and uh, pick up some um, really smoking deals on that thing. So check those guys out over at Camo Fire. Over at Eastman's, um, we're rolling strong. I've been writing articles. A fact that reminds me that I need to sit down and write an article that is due here coming up May 1st uh, that I'm going to write about next-level elk hunting that's going to go out in the Eastman's Hunting Journal. We also have the Eastman's Bow Hunting Journal. I just wrote a piece on spring black bears. Absolutely everything I've learned about hunting spring bears. So if you have a bear hunt planned this year, make sure to check out that most recent Eastman's Bow Hunting Journal. Um... I think it's going to come out here. I, I don't think it's come out yet. I think it comes out like the right in the beginning of May there. So should be a good read if you're planning for bear hunting. So uh, you can get the magazines. We also have our mule deer course. Absolutely everything I've learned in the last 25 years of hunting mule deer, traveling the West, all different habitats, different weapons, different seasons, uh, everything you need from picking a unit to breaking down a unit to stalking to shooting. Uh, Like I say, everything I know about hunting mule deer. Uh, Dan Picard is also my partner on this who has a ton of experience hunting mule deer. And Guy Eastman also does the piece on the rifle section, uh, which is a he's an absolute resource uh, for hunting the West and hunting mule deer. He's been doing it for longer than I have. But um, yeah, I'm really proud of how this course came out. Uh, You can save some money there. Um, If you put in the promo code BRIANMDC, that'll save you 10% on it. And uh, it really is a deal for what we charge on it. So check that out. And um, yeah, also Eastman's Tag Hub, our internet research tool. Uh, You can pick up a free subscription to Mountain Tough Fitness if you put in the promo code BRIAN. Um, That'll save you a little bit of money and um, get you that free Mountain Tough Fitness, which I really enjoy working out with those guys. Just great workouts, uh, really get me prepared for season. So check those guys out. And with that, let's get into this podcast. Uh, it's a good one. So uh, Tyler Geiger, uh, again, his podcast is Knock Performance. I'm your host, Brian Barney. Eastman's Elevated. Here we go. Okay, I'm live here. I've got uh, Tyler on from Knock Performance Podcast. So we have a, a friend in common in um, uh, Kobe that introduced us. And so uh, now here we are on the podcast. Thanks for joining me, man. Thanks for having me on. It's an honor. I appreciate it. Yeah, right on. So um, gosh, you've been running that podcast. Uh, you know what the what the treadmill feels like, huh? Yeah, I, I do, man. I have been. Um Oh man, it's all good over here. We're just doing our thing and working in silence. That's kind of how I like to go about things. Gotcha. Um, yeah, that's it. Well, it, it sure is like a great way to learn, isn't it? When you can have these in-depth conversations and we like have these conversations with buddies, but it, it's different when you can have a one-on-one and sit down for an hour and engage in a conversation about what you love to do. Like, uh, you, you, you pick up quite a bit about, you know, about bow hunting and then about life and um, all things, really. Yeah, that's why I do it too, man. It's because I'm I'm a big learner. Like I like to surround myself with people that, you know, are better at things than I am or know more about a certain thing than I do. And that's how I learn. And 
hopefully um, people can learn from me as well. But it's so fun to just sit down for an hour or two um, with no distractions and just talk about, you know, wherever it leads. And um, I really enjoy doing it. And I'm sure this will be more of the same with this episode, too. Yeah, it's um, being a student of the game or always learning, always taking in information, trying to learn something from everybody you talk to. It really is the way. It's uh, there's no limit to what we can learn or what we can grasp or understand, you know. And it's like if you can just take, um, you know, bits and pieces from people and then implement it into your own game. Like, gosh, you can just further your learning curve by years in such a short amount of time. Um, but I think it's like we put this information out there. Uh, people also have to take that information and be willing to apply it to their own lives and their own endeavors. Otherwise, it's just like like lost information or lost knowledge. No, I couldn't agree more. And that's a that's another thing that I try to do is, you know, I make a lot of mistakes out in the mountains just because I'm new out here. So I'll try to share each and every one of those. So maybe the guy um, that's heading out there next weekend can kind of, if he gets in the same situation as me, being like, eh, Tyler tried it this way, didn't quite work out for him. Let me go the opposite direction. Um, and I just think it's important to be transparent and share your mistakes as well as the successes because um, being vulnerable on here is, is, is clutch, I feel like. And, you know, everybody wants to hear the good stories, but not everybody wants to kind of put themselves out there sometimes and share some some mistakes and that's really how we grow, I believe. Not me. I only share my successes and my hits. No misses on my end. <laughs> no, my my ego's too big. I can't be sharing that stuff. But no, you're 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 absolutely right, man. It is being um, honest and authentic, and and it is learning from your mistakes. Like um, uh, mistakes or failures, uh, that is the prerequisite to success. And and, and even you know you know you. You said like starting in your journey or where you're at in your hunting career. I don't know that you ever get over failing. Like you get a touch better at being clutch or handling situations or I guess knowing what the right move is. But um, truth is, is I've I've failed about every way you can fail, and you just try to you you try to assess it and learn from it, but also not dwell on it. It's like this fine line where you don't want to just remember your misses anytime you're getting close to getting a shot or something of that nature. Like uh, Tom Brady, I'm sure, doesn't think about his interceptions when he's trying to throw a touchdown, you know? And so it is like this, try to assess it and learn from it and then just move on and try to focus on the next opportunity, it seems to me. I tell you what, dreading on it's pretty easy to do, man. I still think about this mule deer that I missed this year with a darn rifle at that. Um, I still think about that like every other day, it seems like it drives me absolutely insane that I made that mistake, but I totally get where you're coming from. <laughs> well, easier said than done. And, um, you know, there's a reason it, it cuts deep and it, it's painful. It hurts so bad because you put so much work into it, so much effort into it. And, and then, you know, to, to duff a shot that you'd make 99 out of 100 times or 9 out of 10 times or whatever the case is, you know, an easy shot for you to make inside your capabilities, you know, it's like that hurts, that stings, it cuts deep. And I think, you know, part of the the reason we can learn from it and move on too is because it does hurt so bad that you you remember the lesson and um our failures 
it, it just seems like I like I remember my failures or my failures are almost what drives me to get better every year more so than my successes. And so, yeah, I say not, don't dwell on it, but I, I think I'm the same way as I think back at my season. I think uh, what could have been or a shot that I missed more so than the shots that I made. But uh, it is a fine line, though. No, absolutely. I think if if it didn't bother us as much, there'd probably be something wrong with us. We might not be out there for the right reasons. The reason it bothers me so much is that I freaking care. I work hard at this. I know what I'm capable of doing. Um, I'm just glad I didn't wound the animal because then I'd really be up in arms about it. But we care, man. We we put a lot of heart and soul into this thing. And obviously it's your passion. It's one of my passions. And if we didn't care, if we weren't upset and didn't dwell for at least a little bit, I think, uh, I think that'd be a, that'd be an issue. So, yeah, that's it. Um, what do you think happened on the shot as you assess it? Like, uh, how are you going to improve and be better next season when you I, get that chance? I just threw it. Yeah. Honestly, I had, I had, I think it was a, it was about 340 yards a shot that I'm totally capable of making. And I could have shot that deer probably three or four times over. I was debating it. Do I want to shoot him? Is he good enough? Is it a good enough deer for me? So dumb. Just so dumb. Lost in the sauce out there. Then probably took a shot that wasn't as great of an opportunity for me than it was 20 minutes ago. And threw it. Got excited. Clean missed right over the back. So just more time behind the rifle, man. I'm I'm not a rifle hunter to begin with. Ever since I moved out here, i kind of been dabbling in it, but... I love bow hunting. It's what I've always done. Um, so just more time. If I put as much time with a rifle as I do with a bow, I don't see me missing hardly anything just because I shoot my bow all the time. So just more time, more dedication. Yeah, it's um, it's just not a given with a rifle. I've seen more mm-hmm. good shooters miss easy shots. Like um, uh, buck fever is real, and it's like one thing to sit here and talk about it, like in our office or whatever. You know, it it sounds silly mm-hmm. that you could miss the shot that that you'd make. You know, ninety nine out of a hundred times or a hundred out of a hundred, but it just happens. I find the biggest mistake I see with rifles that that I made back in the day, and then you know that I see rifle hunters make is uh, uh just on their shot execution same thing with the bow but uh with the rifle it seems like when i see guys make a mistake they get the crosshairs with when they where they want it uh behind the shoulder uh perfect placement but the crosshairs just get there and then they jerk the trigger to try to make that shot go right now instead of going through the the right steps breathing squeezing on the trigger as your crosshairs float over where you want to hit and then the shot breaks which is like the correct way so that's like what i see a lot of times with the rifle and something that i had to correct in my own shooting back um early in the day and it does it does seem like um being proficient at archery and really learning the ins and outs of execution makes me a way better rifle hunter. Do you do you see that too with all the time you spend with archery makes you better at your execution with your rifle? I think so, Brian, because you know, you have a shot process just like I have a shot process, just like anybody else who does archery, they should have a shot process and there's a little checklist that you have mentally in your mind that you're going through every time you, you know, bend the limbs. And with a rifle, you need to have that same checklist. I mean, there's going to be a couple different things, obviously, because you're using a totally different tool. Um, but you need to have that that checklist. 
my dad always told me bullets go where you aim, not where you want them to go. And if you just get behind there and just, you know, rip the trigger, which is essentially what I did um, this past fall, you're not going to harvest uh, your animal. And that I didn't have a shot process. I was just like, yep, I'm on them. Good to go. Boom. No, it's not reality. You have to have a process just like with your bow and arrow. And um, you have to you have to freaking get after it and put the time in behind it. Period. You have to put the time in in anything that you do. And if you don't, chances are you might not be as successful as you want to be. Yeah, man. That's the truth. It's like building that shot execution. And then um, just like you stated, like just more time behind the rifle, more rounds through the rifle. It's really easy to uh, know that your gun's sighted in and walk around with confidence that you can make these shots. But, um, you know, I was never... The the best rifle shot I ever was was uh, like when I picked up this new rifle and spent time with it all summer long running, you know, probably, you know, not a tremendous amount of shells, but a couple hundred shells through it. And then also dry fire practice and, um, you know, and it's good to get that rifle dialed in on the bench, but then it's good to move to like real life situations like getting into these shooting positions, whether, you know, it's prone or sitting with a pack behind the back arm or whatever the case is, but uh, practicing those shooting positions in, in real time or practicing them in real life situations seems, seems like it, like it transfers over to in the field. Cause I see so many guys that are finally going to get a shot and they can't get a steady rest on their rifle just because they haven't ran enough shells through it or they haven't practiced their shooting sticks or getting in a shooting position and, and prone's great you know, over the pack, but you know, in the mountains, you just can't always get that shot. So I think you're right. It's, um, it's just getting really familiar with that weapon and knowing it inside and out. And then, you know, tends to be second nature. Once you get out there, you know, if you can walk yourself through that execution, but it's not easy to be a good shot with a bow and it's not easy to be a good shot with a rifle. It, it takes work and takes effort. Yeah. And like you're saying, man, I, I call it, you know, kind of practice how you play. You want to try to put yourself as many different situations as you can that translate into like a real hunting situation, whether it be taking your backpack off really quick, setting it up and, you know, throwing your gun over it, or, you know, you know what I'm saying? It's just as many real life situations that you can replicate, um, while training, the better off you'll be. So, yeah, I think that's, um, the case definitely with the bow as well. Um, you know, you spend time and you get, uh, you know, a good tune in the bow. You get it um, uh, shooting really well where I know that it's shooting like a, a forgiving tune in my bow. I know that I get my sight tapes absolutely dialed where, you know, I'm not adding a yard or uh, I have to minus off a yard to shoot at distance. Like I really spend time and, well, you got to dial it in to the, to the foot per second and really mess with it. Like you get a sight tape on that's pretty close uh but after a week of shooting it you start to realize that oh i'm a little bit high out there at 80 or whatever you know whatever distance it is 
and just making those fine tunes, getting that bow dialed in. And then from there, for me, it's like real hunting situations. It's broadheads with every group. It's, um, uh, you know, the, the sprint back and then fire arrows with an elevated heart rate. It's, you know, shooting from my knees, shooting from, you know, uh, uh, one foot on balance, you know, and trying to execute a shot as my pin floats around, really working on my execution, getting to the mountain, shooting angles, shooting at 3D targets, like all those little things. Because once we get into season and we're hunting, uh, we only have the skill set that we've worked hard in the off season to earn. And it's like I always get in those situations where I'm on this high country muley hunt or I'm on this elk hunt. And, um, you know, it's, it's really you want to be at your best, and that goes for stalking, decision-making, and also shooting. Like, walking around the mountains with confidence is powerful, you know, especially when you know you can execute that shot and you just need a sliver of opportunity. Like, uh, uh, you know, that's, you know, confidence kills in the mountains, and that's a huge part of it is, is confidence has to be earned, you know. Otherwise, it's just arrogance. It's like a, it isn't built on anything. And so you really have to put in the work and fire the arrows like I, you know, right now I'm working a lot on indoor and uh, uh, making sure I have a perfect sight picture, making sure good execution, moving from the aiming phase to the executing phase. Just all these little things that really help with um, uh, my form and my technique that then carry over into my summertime practice getting ready for these hunts. But uh, it's an amazing uh, passion that we have for bow hunting because it, you know, if you want to be good at it, it just requires working at it all the time. And that's one of the beautiful things is like, it's a, uh, we always have motivation to get out and fire a few arrows. And it's very hard to play catch up. Like you said, if you haven't shot all summer and the season's right around the corner and you think that you're going to fine tune your skills in a month's time, that confidence isn't going to be there, at least for me. It's not going to be there for me. A month in a row of shooting my bow is not enough confidence for me to go out into the mountains and think that I'm going to arrow a bull um, at, you know, 50 yards. Not going to happen for me. I need as much confidence with my weapon of choice as possible because it's hard out there, man. Like, I learned that this year. Uh, I knew that already going in, but it's the mountains are tough. They're unforgiving. And if you don't respect them, you're in for a long week. And um, the least I can do is be proficient and feel confident that if I do get the opportunity that I'm out there for, that I will capitalize because I've already put the time and effort and dedication forth throughout the summer, like you said, training. Yeah, spot on, Tyler. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's exactly right is, um, you know, you, you have to put the work and the effort in, you know, in the, in the off season, which is right now. And that's taking in knowledge and that's working at all different facets, right? Shooting is only one facet of it. And it's like, you can be the best shot in the world, but if you're not good at your e-scouting or you're scouting in person or finding animals, you're never going to get an opportunity. Or maybe you're good at finding animals and you're good at shooting, but, but, uh, you haven't worked on your stalking skills and, um, being stealth and, and being able to capitalize there. And so there's, there's like all these different facets that come into play. It's like, um, you know, a, a fitness is a huge part of it. If you, uh, you know, the, the better shape we're in, the better you feel in the mountains. And you're right about these, 
these bow hunts, it's the toughest endeavor on planet Earth. It's like you make a game plan and then you get out there and you just get punched in the face. It's like never how you see it going. You always have to adapt and and you always have to keep this this positive mental attitude and you have to keep pushing forward. But, um, you know, a lot of these bow hunts I go on, it's no different for me where it, I get out there and it feels like mission impossible. It feels like arrowing a trophy bull or arrowing a trophy buck. It, it seems like, you know, even if I give it my all for 10 days, I'm not sure if it's going to come together because their instincts are so keen. They're so tough to get close to. Then you have to execute a shot like there's there's so much that goes into it. You know, even just finding a trophy to go make a play on it is a win for, you know, a hunter for a season. And so uh, you're right. We just need to do absolutely everything we can do and try to like I like thinking of bow hunting and breaking it down in these in these different pillars or in these different facets, you know, of uh, knowledge and physical fitness and, and in uh, archery and executing shots, like all these are, are different specific uh, uh, skill sets that I try to work on, you know, and, and um, physical fitness is an easy one that you can do right now. But once you get into season, I mean, mountains will get you in mountain shape, but it's so nice to come in in good physical fitness, and it seems like that works in correlation with your mind. Like the the more physically fit you are, also the more you've sharpened your mind throughout the off season with discipline and dedication and putting in those miles. And so you've kind of strengthened both parts of your mental game and your physical game going in. And I think it's like one of the most important things you can do for yourself coming into season. And I know you take your training really serious for your physical fitness as well yeah without a doubt and kind of going back to what you're saying those things like um, taking care of yourself working on your fitness you know training with your bow putting yourself in you know semi-relatable situations in terms of like real life things that can all be controlled you can control all all of those things but once you load the truck down and drive three hours to wherever you're fixing to hunt for the next 10 days you can't really control any of that after it besides your, your attitude and um, how much food you brought, if that makes any sense. Like there's not a whole lot that you can control. You can't control the weather. You can't control if the animals are moving. You can't control if you, if you miss and how you're going to react to that. But everything else that I just mentioned, you can. You have to have those things squared away before you go on your trip and before you commit um, to hunting, I think. You have to control what you can control because there's so much out in the mountains and you know this way better than I do that you can't control. And it's kind of helpless feeling at sometimes, uh, at, at times, but it's the truth, man. There's so much that we can't control, which is scary. Yeah. Uh, Right. It reminds me of that saying, like, uh, control the controllables. You know, it's like uh, the the things that you have power over, you control those. And then, um, yeah, you let the cards fall where they do. And so much of these hunts is adapting on the fly. Like, um, yeah. you come in in great physical shape. You've come in and researched a bunch of different areas. So you have backup plans. Uh, maybe you've scouted. You know your shooting's dialed. Uh, you, you come in with all these skill sets and then you get there and you're right. Like you don't know what the weather's going to do, the animals, the hunting pressure. And so, you know, you kind of just have to get started and then try to make good decisions along the way and kind of adapt to the conditions that you're given. You know, it's like, um, 
if if there's people in there, then okay, I need to go to to a backup plan. Or if I hike all the way back in there, ten fifteen miles, and I don't find any bucks in those drainages, like I need to look at the next spot I'm gonna go. Just focusing on my next move, and it's just amazing. Like it it may feel like Mission Impossible, and it's the toughest endeavor on planet Earth, but it's amazing when you just um uh you you dedicate yourself to the craft, you work on those skill sets, and then you show up and you give it your all for as many days as you have it's amazing how many times it'll come together or you'll get an opportunity uh you know to be able to arrow a critter and that's that's really the headspace i try to keep in that it's just like man it just only takes one and i've seen it change so many times or i've seen such a tough hunt change around on the last day or the the last evening like it's amazing if you just keep putting forth effort how many times it will come together yeah, and you just have to throw yourself into the fire, and that's something that I've I've learned. Like, I essentially moved out here to do this. Don't tell my wife, even though I think she kind of already knows that. Um, but in all in all seriousness, like, I'm I'm pretty green out here, and you know I take pieces from. I know you know Dylan. He's helped me a lot. I listen to your show. There's other guys that I've met around here who are all really nice guys, trying to get me pointed in the right direction and. You know, I'm watching all the videos and doing my research and reading about things, but that's all great. But you have to get out there. You have to throw yourself in the fire. You have to make mistakes. And um, you, you just have to work hard at it and stay consistent with it and um, learn from those mistakes and try not to make the same one twice. Um, that's always my goal in the mountains is don't screw up the same way you screwed up last time. And I had so many opportunities this year, didn't get it done, but learned so much and i feel like i'm way ahead of the game in terms of kind of like just starting this out so it's really it's promising man it's so addicting it's just a burning passion that i know you feel as well yeah that's um that's spot on like uh all the knowledge and all the advice doesn't do you any good unless you go put it into practice you're right you just got to throw yourself in the fire you just got to get out there and go for a hunt you've got to plan a hunt or as much time as you have as many hunts as you can plan uh you have to go on it and you try to use this knowledge to shorten your learning curve but you're right you have to be able to implement it in your own game plan and in your own hunts and really when it comes down to it experience is the best teacher like um there is no supplement there there's no substitute for experience like you have to get out there in in different environments different habitats have to hunt different species face new problems overcome new problems like like that's that's the part of the game and i think the only reason i'm any good at bow hunting is i've spent so much time doing it and so much time preparing for these hunts like i take it so serious but but really that's the reason why i'm any good at bow hunting is because i bow hunt a lot and um not every hunt is perfect when you're a do-it-yourself uh western hunter like a blue collar hunter where you're not going on a guided or outfitted hunt like you have to learn all these different places and different states and uh, you know, I have a process of being able to break down units or choosing where I'm going to hunt, but really it comes down to boots to ground and finding those animals in that unit. And so, 
you know, taking these chances, you know, sometimes I take a chance on a tag and tags are tougher to come by and say, go, oh, you know, the success odds are pretty good on this one or, you know, whatever points me in that direction. I like this mountain range. I think there's some muleys in there and take a chance. And, uh, you know, it pans out a lot of times for me, but there's times where I go on a hunt where I can't find my target species or that area uh, doesn't check out. But part of learning is just throwing yourself into the fire, throwing yourself into these hunts, taking on these challenges, giving it your all, whether it's good hunting or bad hunting. And then, um, you know, you grow from that and become better. And the better you get and the better you get at these skill sets, uh, like the better chance of success you have. And, and throughout the years, getting really proficient at these different skill sets, like I can almost show up uh, to any unit I'm going to hunt and, and expect success. I, um, I, I show up and feel like, you know, uh, not, I mean, it almost sounds arrogant, but to show up undeniable that I've put in so much work and I've worked so hard at my bow hunting skill set, and now I'm 42 years old. So if I show up on a unit and there's a shooter buck or a bull in there, I've got a pretty good chance that I'm going to turn them up and arrow them. And a lot of these are in general units or easy to draw units where success odds will hover around 3%, 5%, you know, sometimes 10 or 15% in a bow hunt, but very rarely do I get a tag that has better success odds than that. And you think of like 10% success odds is killing a bull once every 10 years. And um, that just doesn't cut it for me, you know? And so I feel if, like if I work harder and I, I work on all those skill sets, I can show up and maybe not be a hundred percent but uh have a good percentage to be able to arrow a trophy critter you know so i really do think that's the key no it is and the the thing about it is that you know you can work as hard as you want and and train as much as possible and watch all the videos and do all these things and now all of a sudden you feel entitled like oh i deserve to go out and kill a bull you don't deserve anything you have to physically get out there and earn it and for those people I'm sure all the majority of the people that listen to your show have at one point been out into the mountains and realized just how difficult it is. Just because you trained hard doesn't mean you're going to be successful. And that's a fact because I trained my butt off. <laughs> um, but you ha literally have to go out and earn it. You have to go out there and suffer, get rained on, <laughs> run out of food the whole nine yards, miss that bull, blow that stalk. You have to earn it. At least that's how it's always been for me. I've never worked extremely hard and got it on the first try with anything really like I really 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 have to earn it and put some time in in the field or whatever practice that I'm that I'm trying to achieve yeah well um I'm just glad I'm not the only one <laughs> it um <laughs> yeah it's uh you know me and my buddies have a joke that we just don't get lucky you know that we mm -hmm. you know and, and that's not true we do get lucky we harvest some great critters but we feel like we have to go out and earn it every time and you can't rest on your laurels or past successes and um you know I don't I don't show up to a unit or a trailhead and say you know I'm Brian Barney I'm here and I'm ready to arrow a great buck like every hunt, <laughs> I've got a I've got to start over and earn it like you're talking about and every hunt is grueling it's going to take me to my limit physically and mentally at least all the good ones you know and so uh yeah you have to uh you know i celebrate my successes but then pretty quick it's time to move on and get back to work and get ready for the next one because i know everyone is going to demand uh everything i have to even give myself a chance at success and you're right like there's a lot of guys that that work extremely hard 
and put a ton of work in. And like I see guys covering miles and uh, elevation, and you know, like I I've got a, a a pretty good you know I I think I go pretty hard where I know I go pretty hard in the mountains and I put in extreme effort. But there's guys that put in the same effort as I do, and sometimes even more. Uh, but the key I think too is to mix in that knowledge with that. Like I think that yes. experience that we're talking about, 25 years of venturing all across the West on every bow hunt I can find, uh, makes me pretty good at my decision-making, pretty good at knowing when I should stalk and when I shouldn't, makes me pretty good when I get in close and knowing what I can get away with and what I can't. Uh, being in those positions multiple times, like I know when to draw my bow or to wait for that buck to get up, and I'm not saying that I get it right every time, but uh, you know, I've gotten really good at making these decisions along the way. And I've gotten really good at turning up animals in units and whether that's e-scouting and it's really tough to describe to people because it really is just 20 years of looking at Google Earth and, and looking at maps and on X and being able to recognize what are bucky features are. And now I can't tell you on 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 X exactly where I'm going to find an animal, but I can I can find likely bucky terrain that then I can go put boots to ground. And one of those spots that I scouted is probably going to have some bucks in it. Uh, but it, it just takes time and continuing to, to work at these different skill sets. So uh, it is a combination between the mental toughness and physical side and also building those those hunting skill sets, again, to be able to give yourself a chance at success. And, and nothing is worse like – the only as bow hunters, we just really want to be clutch in the moment, and then that's clutch when we find a big critter making a stalk. We want to be clutch to make the right moves to be able to put ourselves into range to hopefully bend our our limbs back, or that that you know also goes for being clutch when we get a shot is getting a an opportunity and being able to execute a good shot and put a perfect arrow through that animal and that takes time to learn and it's not something you're born with like to be clutch is something you have to teach yourself and 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 work on these skills you know um i really think like high opportunity hunts as we're talking about you know uh uh building those skill sets you know i think that's a great place to start and also there's so much on social media to the size of the animal. And, and yes, I like killing mature, big animals. Everybody does. But we all have to start somewhere on the trophy rungs of the ladder uh, or the, the rungs of the trophy ladder. Like, I think we have to work our way up. Like, you have to be able to execute on a, on a doe before you can execute on a buck. And you have to be able to execute on a, on a three-point buck before you can execute on a 180-inch buck or whatever the case is. And so... I really like to look for opportunity to be able to build these skill sets, to be able to execute on these animals, to make these stocks. And then, you know, once you kill a decent buck with your bow, then you can uh, set your standards a little bit higher. But I, I think one mistake guys make is they set their standards way too high for way too big of a buck or way too big of a bull and haven't built their skill set to match or their opportunities don't match. And so, uh, I, I really think high opportunity hunts like the antelope, uh, mule deer hunts out there and, and a lot of places like where we're at in Montana, you can get multiple doe tags. And if you can sneak up on a white tailed doe on the ground, uh, you've really got a pretty good spot and stock skill set built. And so like, I think that's important to become a really good bow hunter. No, so many other things that you just said, I totally agree with, um, let's go back to you said you you know you celebrate your successes but shortly after like you're you're ready to 
to figure out what's next. And I just had a conversation with a guy um, about that. I think it's great to celebrate the work that you've put in and, and the goal that you achieved. And that's all fine and dandy, but you can't live on that, right? Like that's not, that's not always going to be the case. It's time to move on now. Eventually you have to figure out what's the next goal. What's the next goal. And um, I think I'm really good at doing that. And it sounds like you are too. So that's very refreshing, very, very refreshing to hear. So I appreciate that out of you. Yeah. Well, and I, I think um, also like uh, you start to learn, at least I start to learn the longer that I do this, that, that the fun is in the journey and in the process of it. Like, uh, the, the fun, you know, yes, it's fun to arrow a great buck. And that, that's like my Everest. That's what I'm working hard towards all year long. I'm, I'm building my skill sets. And so when I arrow a trophy buck in the back country, you know, it feels like I've climbed Everest and I get that buck out and I, I celebrate it and, um, get it butchered up and processed. And in my freezer, I'm real excited about the hunt. I think back, but I almost, use that as motivation to drive me to the next mountain to climb the next Everest. And it's like, I almost have to start over at that point and go, okay, well now it's time to start putting in the work for the next one, you know, so I can climb that mountain again or give myself a, a chance at that. And so, man, you're spot on. It's just like not resting on your laurels or resting on your accomplishment, just, um, falling in love with the process and the journey, because really that's the funnest process. The funnest part of it is being immersed in in a backcountry hunt and, and getting stocks on target box and getting in close inside a hundred yards and the in your heart rates just beating out of your chest and and you learn real quick in bow hunting like you think you just need to get into range and it's a dead animal and then you learn real quick that it's like getting into range is only half the battle then you have to get a good shot with a good angle on that animal it doesn't always come together but boy when you can control your emotions and uh you can move controlled and slow in those situations situations um you know that is living life that is what we love about bow hunting and so you know i've started you know i've gotten better over the years uh, of not just having fun when i'm successful like enjoying the entire journey and the entire hunt and a lot of my favorite hunts in the last couple of years are hunts that i've been unsuccessful on but maybe i'm chasing a big buck or i got chances and it didn't come together uh but those really are some of my funnest hunts looking back and so i think it's if you really love bow hunting and really want to see success you have to love the entire process yeah. And you have to figure out what success means to you. Like everybody's different. You mentioned like the social media standard, um, a few minutes ago. I thought that was hilarious because I I got caught up on that a little bit. Um, this year when I, I keep going back to when I missed that deer looking at him, Oh, his forks aren't deep enough. This, that, and the other, you know, he's only three and a half. He's like a mid forties deer. Who the heck am I? just moving out here two years ago to pass on a deer like that. I'm debating passing on this deer. Then you stumble across, you know, a Brian Barney's Instagram. The guy kills slammers. I want to do that. Well, he's been doing this for 20 plus years, like you said. So you have to figure out what success looks like for you. And again, it's hard to be on top of the mountain if you don't, you have to climb it first. You know what I mean? Like that would have been a, that would have been a freaking great deer for me. And if I would have took the opportunity right off the get instead of trying to size him up and compare and contrast to this guy or that guy. Um, we'd be waiting on a taxidermy bill by now, but we're not. So it's easy to get caught up in, in that. 
in that social media realm, especially when you're new to things. And um, that's a mistake I'm not going to make again. That's for sure. Yeah, it is. Um, you know, I, I set you know standards or, or not even standards, but kind of goals. And it's um, you know, really, it's it's harvesting an animal I'm going to be happy with. And everybody has a different animal or a different line of what they're going to be happy with. And so I just know that when I go on a hunt, I want to go on an adventure. Uh, I want to be immersed in the outdoors in this predator prey interaction, which I absolutely love. And then I just want to make sure it's a deer that I'm happy with or an elk that I'm happy with. And I've I've harvested enough now to where I just don't make that mistake. And and it doesn't take a 200 inch muley to make me happy. There's a lot of places where you know your your expectations or your goals have to match the availability of what's in that unit. And so mm-hmm. you know when I go to some units uh, when I'm hunting some prairie mule deer you know a lot of times the top end is going to be 160 170 inch deer uh, but he's going to be heavy and have mass and be four to five years older older and and that's going to be a deer that i'm really happy with it's going to get me excited that i can go chase to the end of earth to try to arrow and it's going to be a challenge for me and then when i kill that animal it's the same elation as if i kill uh, a, a 190 or 200 inch deer. I mean, maybe I'd be a little bit more stoked with a 200 or a 210 or something like that. But seriously, <laughs> like I kill a 160 inch deer, I am stoked. There is nothing more that I'm looking for. And I run my hands down the antlers and feel the mass and see the dark horns. And, you know, that thing's a specimen. And, and those deer, they don't know the size of the rack on top of their head. He just knows he's trying to survive in, in his environment, his habitat. And I know that I'm trying to hunt him and trying to outwit and outsmart that deer and a lot of times there's not much difference in the intelligence or the instincts from 160 inch five point to 180 inch uh, or 160 inch five-year-old to to 180 inch five-year-old they don't know the horns on their head they're just trying to survive and so for me um you know everybody's in hunting for different reasons and likes to have different target animals and some guys are really into just targeting you know that that next level buck and that's the only buck they want to kill and the only buck they're going to go for and good for them it's like everybody has to find their own enjoyment out of this or the thing that ignites them and the thing that ignites me is mature animals and uh, bow hunting action like I just love getting into them you know and so you know for a bull for me it's got to be a nice heavy six point uh, I've harvested enough bulls where I just you know that's the bull that's going to make me happy is you know around 320 320 inches you know now if he's 315 I'm still stoked if he's 325 I'm stoked but I set these standards to these goals that I'm going to be happy with and I know that through my hunting skill set that I can create opportunities at those type of animals and that I have a good chance to arrow those type of animals and it doesn't happen every time but i just want to make sure that i'm that i'm stoked with the experience and then stoked with the animal i harvest because there's nothing worse than you know some ground shrinkage or shooting a buck that you're not happy with and you know i've always been happy the 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 meat's a, a uh, the most, you know, nutrient dense protein on the planet. So I'm always happy with my harvest, but I've just noticed like the last 10 years, I don't think I've made a mistake on a small animal. Like I just, um, make sure it's something I'm happy with. And is it the largest every time or record breaking? No, but it does it make me happy. Absolutely. No, well said, Ryan. I think it's, I think it's cool that we're having this conversation and that we're obviously at two different stages of our, of our hunting career. You just kind of listed off, you know, your expectations and your goals and whatnot. Like for me, 
this year archery elk hunting i just wanted to be into them like i knew how hard it was to just get into elk to locate elk and i wanted to put myself in the fire and have as many close encounters as i possibly could and heck i was into them 90 percent of the season i had a blast i had an arrow knocked a dozen times like it could have happened any any at any drop of the hat it just didn't but that doesn't mean that like i chalked this year up as man i didn't kill one this season sucked I had a blast. Like I had so much fun, but those were my standards. Obviously for you, it's a little bit different. You'd have been like, man, like didn't get one kind of a bummer for me. I was like, I'm into, I'm just a kid from Michigan that's lived in Montana for two and a half years. Just seeing elk to me is like a treat in itself. It's, it's amazing. I'm not used to, to glassing up elk or putting a stalk on a nice bowl or getting winded by a bunch of cows. Like it's all new to me. And I had a blast and I learned so much this year. So for me, my elk season was a freaking success. Like Kobe, uh, Kobe and I went out for 10 days and we had so much fun. He called a 330 bowl into five yards. He almost got ran over. But of course, being a rookie, we messed up the setup and didn't get it done. He was five yards from the bowl. I was 105 yards from the bowl and he almost got trampled. So, um, but just little things like that. It was a success. Of course, I was down but you got to pick yourself back up and try not to make that mistake again. So no, just had a, had an awesome time. And I think it's cool that, you know, we both have different sets of goals because we're at different stages in our career. So well said, man, that's awesome. There's, um, sounds like you have the same love for the action as I do. Like there's just nothing more exciting or more thrilling than getting into elk like that and making plays and trying to cut them off and hearing bugles and interacting with them. Like, um, that to me is the fun of bow hunting, you know, and, and and that's where you do the majority of your learning too. So like, uh, hunting elk this year, um, what are, what are some of the, the lessons you took back? It sounded like you did a really good job of keeping yourself into them. And one of the biggest keys to killing elk is being into elk. And so you definitely did your job there. Uh, what, what were some of the things or big takeaways that you, that you did, or maybe some of the, the tactics that you used or that you changed, or just some of those lessons you learned being into so many elk this season? Well, I was really proud of the effort put forth, like, um, just the everyday grind. If I was supposed to be out for 10 days, I was out for 10 days. If I was only on a quick weekend rip for three days, I was out for three days. We never packed it in early. Um, which it's easy to do that, especially if the weather gets terrible or you're down, or maybe you do have a day where you're not seeing anything and you're lonely and this, that, and the other, it's really easy to pack it up and go home. Never did that. So I pride myself on that. Another thing that I really, really think that I learned this year was that, you know, cause there's kind of like that, that hold up area that bulls have where they're going to hold up. And you get in that within a hundred yards. And I did not do a good job of kind of anticipating where their holdup area was going to be. And opposed to me moving to a shot where I can kind of anticipate where that bull is going to just stop and, and hold up where he's not going to come any further in terms of getting to a place where I can shoot that lane or shoot that area where he's going to hold up. I didn't do that because I didn't know I wasn't experienced. Um, so this year, I really feel like I, if I can implement that into my game plan, I think we can arrow one just by, you know, I can get to 100 yards within a bowl. I did that on multiple occasions, and that's great. But I'm not trying to take a 100-yard shot either. 
Uh, I'd like to take that anywhere from 60 in. That's kind of my sweet spot. So just closing that distance and anticipating where that elk is going to hold up, I think can kind of be the turning page for me and, and get this ball rolling. Oh, good for you. That's, um, that's beautiful. I loved, uh, I loved hearing about, uh, your, your effort and attitude. Um, so much of it just comes down to being able to grind, like just having grit and being able to show up day in, day out and put full effort. And when you finish a season or when you finish a hunt and you can look back and go, I did absolutely everything I could do. I didn't go home early, full effort every day. I hiked miles to find elk when I didn't find them. Like that is an absolute wind and a winning attitude. And you're right. As it's easy to sit here and go, oh, I'm tough. I'm going to go hunt for 15 days straight or whatever the case is. But you get there and you hit, you have, you ride these ups and downs of a hunt and it's easy to get in one of those down moments and call it quits and go, oh, it's not going to happen or, oh, there's too many people or, uh, the weather's too warm. The bulls aren't bugling. Like it's really easy to make an excuse and to throw in the towel earlier to go home with your tag unfilled. The the tougher thing to do is to be on a tough hunt and keep putting effort forth and keep going every morning and evening and keep going every day off. So uh, that's an absolute win and great takeaway from you. And then um, – yeah, and then as far as like getting close to him or closing that in from that 100 yards, that next little bit, that anticipation, so many times I get done with the hunt, and it's like if I could just run it back, I know I would have killed a bull, and it sounds like that's the case for you this season. Like if you could run it back and have all the same opportunities that you had, a bull would die because you'd play it a little bit different, you'd take it a little bit more serious, you'd pay more attention to the wind, and so I think it's like important when we get into a hunting season is to really have this attitude uh, uh, of really making the most of every opportunity, and when we do get an opportunity, really trying to think through it and and be calculated in the play that we're going to make and so much of elk hunting is like you see elk and you have to go get into them and then kind of adapt to what they're doing because they're always moving you don't really bed one down and make this stock on them in his bed like you would a muley and so you almost have to get over there and then see what the herd's doing now or where the herd's moved to or and and you have to rely upon these these hunting instincts as well as you have to see these elk before they see you uh, you, you have to set up in the right locations or, uh, be, be able to foresee where they're going to come and, and not get caught out in the open or caught in that hundred yard distance that you're talking about. And so, um, yeah, I think it's just trying to be clutch, uh, in those moments or those opportunities and then, um, being able to slow play it and not hurry up and rush and make a mistake, being able to, to trust your instincts as far as the wind and the approach. And if it's not right, you don't. Uh, go forward. I had this lesson. You talk about uh, learning lessons, you know, for the first time you make it. I've made this mistake. I think I've made it now two or three times. So it takes me a little bit longer to learn from my mistakes. But I have this, um, you know, I'll see a bull or a buck and I'll see embedded and there's a ridge line above them that if I just come out on that ridge line I can shoot down and hit that bull. The problem is, is the wind is blowing over top that ridge. And so I almost try to cheat the wind, and I try to go to the left or to the right of the bull reading the wind, but it's coming over top that ridge and then acting like a washing machine down below. And so I'll see this this animal in the perfect position, and I think, oh, if I can just get to the right side of him on this ridge, I'll be able to shoot. And 
in it's probably been three times as heck it's probably been a half dozen if i'm being honest but it's like three times of just like doing that and going over and making that mistake getting to that ridge line and then having my wind swirl down in there and having win me where it's like i just can't do that i've got to trust my instincts and not go for that play and slow play it like the longer you can play the game with these elk or these bucks the, the more apt they are to make a mistake or to put themselves in a susceptible spot. And so the key is just not giving yourself away and not giving yourself away to their noses, to their eyes, you know, to their to their ears. And so you're just trying to, like, keep that element of surprise and make those right decisions. And the longer you can play that game, uh, the better chance you have of getting an arrow in that buck or that bull. And so really keeping that element of surprise. But, yeah, those are great takeaways from your elk season. It sounds like you had a good year no had a had a great year had a great time learned more than i ever thought i could but kind of going back to what you're saying i don't blow a stalk or you know something doesn't pan out and i'm just like well it just didn't happen for me i debrief literally every single encounter that i have and try to figure out you know the coulda woulda shoulda type deal so next time i don't make that mistake and I feel like if you're, and that's what's so much fun about kind of having a podcast like yourself, that we can talk to like-minded folks and run it by them or, you know, text your buddy that's out there, call him and tell him this story. And you just talk through mistakes and talk through successes. And, you know, I just feel like if you just chalk it up like, oh, well, today wasn't the day. It just didn't work out for me. Not sure what happened. Well, you probably should try to figure out what did happen, what did go wrong. So you don't make that mistake again. And Next time, like you said, if I could play over a couple situations from this past year, if those same situations presented themselves this year, again, I'm waiting on a taxidermy bill. So um, we don't we don't ever try to make the same mistake twice. I know I've said that already, but I really, really, truly like hold my hat on that, man. I just debrief every single situation that I have to figure out. And I'm, I criticize myself extremely hard. I hold myself to a standard just like you do, because we care. This is our passion. We don't want to keep messing up. We want to be successful. You know, I have a wife at home. I, you know, this stuff costs money. All that's a big deal to me. Like I want to tag out in the first week so I can spend more time with my wife. Um, is that reality right now? Of course not, but um, I don't take it for granted. Yeah, Tyler, that's great insight. Um, that is the way to improve and to get better is to assess those situations and learn from them. And you almost have to drop your ego a bit too. Like if you make mm -hmm. a mistake, like you have to do an honest, uh, an analysis or evaluation of that stock and how it played out and what you could have done different. And, and even like, it's easy to go, Oh, I got winded. The wind swirled around. It's the mountain and the wind swirls. Instead, you look at that situation and go, why did I get winded? Maybe I should have held off on the stock and I got too eager and got in there before the thermals changed around. Or maybe that bowl, uh, you know, is those, those elk during a south wind, it's going to swirl in that bowl and I just can't get in there. And so there's always a reason why it didn't work out. And if you do that that assessment of every stock you're you're able to improve from it and get better but yeah you have to drop your ego you know and so uh i like what you said oh it just didn't work out it wasn't my day or it didn't pan out well there's always a reason like why did that animal pick up on you did it hear you did it see you did you move too quick in the end uh did you get spotted by a cow that you you should have been moving slower and glassing in the timber and seeing her before she saw you and it blow blows up the whole encounter and you don't get a shot at that bull you have to learn from that and so 
it's so easy to like throw out an excuse or, oh, I got winded or, oh, this happened or that happened. But really take a look at it and take a look at how you could have uh, how you could have been better in that scenario, how you'd treat it next time. And I do think that is the key to learning is just to uh, assess all those close encounters. And, and you do, you have to be tough on yourself as you, as you look at it, because, um, you know, these animals are so, have such keen instincts that, that they're just going to catch you a lot of the times, but there's always something you could have done a little bit better or something you could have done different to give yourself a better chance. So you're going to fail. It's just looking at it, trying to learn from it, trying to get better, uh, be able to improve and evolve your hunting skill set. So, um, man, I just think that's such great insight to really assess those situations in those stocks and knowing that it's not going to go right every time but just try to learn from it and get better and i think that equals more critters on the ground in the future no i agree and the thing how i look at it it's like no one's forcing me to be out here i don't i don't get paid to hunt i do this because i love it and like my dad always says like don't do anything half-assed like i'm not just going to go out there go through the motions take pictures on my on my camera and just you know enjoy every second of it and you know mess up everything in the process like no don't do this half half ass really take pride in it and you have to be critical of yourself man you just have to because again i don't get paid to do this i do this because i love it but i also want to be great at it someday so you know you have to make those mistakes and you have to grade yourself and be honest with yourself and ego man that's something that i work on in life constantly you have to drop that ego you have to be vulnerable with yourself and with others or your partner and he he, ego's good in some aspects of things in terms of confidence um but really when you're when you're making mistakes and you're telling yourself well you know it, it wasn't my day or this that and the other that's your ego you're actually making mistakes and you need to be grading and critical of yourself yeah um that's exactly it. Yeah. A drop in the ego. It's the key to learning and the key to getting better. Uh, it's not taking yourself so serious. And, and, um, you, I mean, you are right. Like I, um, it, it is a fine line and, and confidence, uh, is key in the mountains and in life, believing in yourself and believing, you know, liking the person that you are and the work that you put in. And I think it's just, um, uh, uh, living that lifestyle that you admire, that you want to live. And so having that discipline, getting in your run, shooting your bows, giving full effort on these hunts, uh, being a good husband, being a good father, like working hard at all these things so you can look yourself in the mirror and be proud of who you are and have confidence in who you are, but still be able to to look and go, God, I'm, I was a dipshit on that, on that encounter, you know, whatever it is, mm-hmm. like, uh, not taking yourself so serious and being able to, to, to learn from those mistakes. But it is a fine line that I think we're all trying to figure out and, and that, you know, in general in life. And, and, um, so I do like to assess, but, you know, I also know that I can't be too tough on myself as well. Like I do, uh, the analysis, like we're talking about, I assess what went wrong or where I made a mistake, but then I don't dwell on it. I, I have confidence in my skill sets and confidence in who I am. I know I'm a good bow hunter. You know, I messed up there. I'll treat that situation different or I made a mistake there and he caught me. It, it is what it is. I'm going to be better next time. But then I start focusing on the next one. I just, I want another opportunity. I want another stock. I want the chance to try to prove that I can do it again because I know that 
that I'm good enough. So you're right. It, it is such a fine line between dropping the ego and then also having confidence in your skill sets and who you are. And, um, yeah, I just think it's like a like a, a knife blade that you're that you're trying to walk and you just don't want to fall off one side or the other. You know, the 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 the, the perfect way to go about it is to walk that fine line. It is. And as long as you go into a hunt <clears throat> knowing that not everything is going to go according to plan, because it very rarely does, at least for me, like we talked about earlier, like I'm not that guy who can just show up, put the work in and capitalize on the first go. It's never been like that for me. I wish it was, but that's just not my journey. For some people, it works out. Grade yourself, be critical, but know that that opportunity is going to come back around again and try to capitalize. So you can't get too down. You can't get too high. You kind of just have to ride that wave as long as possible. Keep grading yourself. Keep being critical, but don't degrade yourself. And that opportunity will come back around. Keep your spirits high and um, capitalize. Yeah, it's spot on. Sounds like you're walking that fine line as well. It's um, um I'm walking it yeah, very fine, yeah, very carefully. That is the key to success, I think. You know, so much of this like starts and ends with the mind. It's just uh your approach to it. And and that goes to your approach for for training for the backcountry hunts, your approach on these hunts, like just the way you look at the world. And I I recently like um hung out with a guy and like, I don't want to call him out or anything, but, um, you know, he's, he's family and, um, you know, he's, um, probably in his sixties now and, and just, um, kind of the way he looks at things is always like somebody else did something wrong or somebody else is, is trying to pull one over on him or somebody else is doing this. And, you know, I listen to him talk and I hang out with him and I, I try to put my two cents in here or there. And I, I really like the guy. And so, um, you know, but we but we visit, but it it's almost like uh, his approach to life is flawed. Like he's gone his whole way through life looking at life through this lens that everybody's out to get him, nobody can do their job, everybody is doing things wrong, and never really turns it back on himself to to see that he's the the common denominator. You know, that it's almost the way he interacts with life and the way he looks at life is why these things are happening to him or why he's upset at these things. And if we can, if we can just work on ourselves and work on our mental approach and, um, you know, life is full of struggle. Life is full of challenges. Like that's what life is. And it's, it's not fair. It's also full of pain, relentless hard work. Like life is not easy and it's not easy to be happy in life. Uh, it's not easy to make great money. It's not easy to, to have all the things we want to have. It's, it's not easy and anything worth having, you know, takes, uh, hard work and effort and dedication, but we just like our approach to life is so important. Just how we approach these things and the way we think of ourselves and the way we think of uh, the way we think of these these hunts or the way that we interact out there. Like it's you you, you know the one thing. You know, you talked about the controllables. The one controllable is your mind and how you approach things. And your body will go wherever your mind takes you. Like there's, 
some different sayings out there that you know we really only accomplish or give 40% of our effort. We are capable of so much more, which I've found out on these extremely tough hunts. Sometimes I think I'm at the end of my effort or the end of my rope and end up arrowing a buck 20 miles back. And somehow I figure out how to get that buck out of country. Like maybe I'm blown up the next couple days or I, I can't feel my legs, but you, I find a way to get it done and I find a way to get that buck out of country. And I just think it all starts and ends with the mind and our approach. And when you're faced with a difficult situation, say you run into a bunch of hunting pressure, like you have a couple different decisions there. You know, you can either get fed up, get upset, get mad. There's too many guys hunting out there. And all of a sudden you're in this dark spiral of eventually you're going to quit in the next couple of days or you're not going to find critters or be successful on that hunt. Or, you know, the other option is you get in there and you see guys and you go, God, this is covered up in here. I got to find where these animals are going to. Where are these animals getting pressure to? Or where can I get where guys are not at? Or where can I move? In, instead of looking at it as a detriment, you almost look at it as like, okay, what's my next move? Or where where am I going to go next to find an animal? Just like keeping in that moment. And so... I think it's like a tool that we have to work on, not just during our hunts, but throughout our life in, in our everyday life. Like our cars are going to break down. Bills are going to come up that we're not expecting. Family's going to pass away. Like we're going to, you know, people are going to get sick. Like there's going to be tough times that we have to get through. And these are opportunities to have a good mindset and to practice a good mindset. And when you practice it every day, it carries over to these really tough backpacking hunts, which is our passion and our goal to be successful. At. No, exactly. Life is hard, man. And that's why, like, what I do is I, I try to put myself in difficult, really crappy situations on purpose throughout my life. One of those things that I do is I run ultra marathons. Anybody that listens to my show or anybody that knows who the heck I am knows that I legitimately hate running pretty much more than anything in this world. But I run constantly. I sign up for these ridiculous races where you're running for basically 24 hours straight it's terrible like there's nothing fun about it it's not healthy for you but it trains your mind it, it helps your mind so if you can get through something stupid like that like i pay for these runs like i don't have to be there i'm doing it on purpose and there's ups and downs during those runs where you feel really great you got that runner's high then you roll your ankle then you're about to throw up because you're malnutrition and it's just a bad situation. But if you can get to the other side, it's never going to be terrible forever. If you can get through the other side, because like you said, life comes at you. And when life comes at me, I always go back to like that dark, that dark time when I'm out in the middle of Idaho and these BFE mountains running. I'm out of water. It's 95 degrees. And I feel like I'm going to pass out. I got through that. I didn't die. When life comes at me, I always go back to like a situation like that. And I'm like, listen, man, you've done some things. You've gotten through some really hard things that you didn't even necessarily have to. You could have, you could have, you could have called it. You could have quit. You could have, you could have just walked back. You didn't have to finish that race. That's what life is to me. I always try to go back and pick little nuggets of some hard things that I've done and that I've gotten through. And I translate that to bow hunting in the mountains on those long 10 day trips. I don't have to be there. I'm choosing to be here. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah, I'm struggling. Yeah, the weather's crappy. Yes, it's hot. But look at all the other hard things that you've done and that you've gotten through. So I always try to like that, make that come full circle. And I think it's important to do hard things and put yourself in those bad situations. And not only 
can that benefit you in mountain hunting, but just for life in general, because it's going to come at you when you least expect it and you're going to have to react. Man, so spot on. Yeah, you've got um, such a great head on your shoulders and great approach to Western hunting into life that's going to serve you really well. Um, that is, that's that's where we grow is in these uncomfortable situations when we don't want to be there. That's where the most growth comes from. And and you build these calluses of, of mental toughness and fortitude for every run you make yourself go on, for every foot in front of the other. And you're right. You can draw upon these on these tough hunts and go, gosh, I, I've been training all year. Like this is nothing to that 50 miler I ran or that 100 miler I ran. I can keep going. There's more in the tank. And you're right. It um it serves you in all of life and makes you successful in, in all different parts of your life. Like, you know, it makes you a great leader for your family. When you've been through these difficult times, these challenging times, and you've made it through, uh, you know, you know how to handle tough situations. You know how to guide your family through these. You know how to be a leader for your family. You know how to get through tough situations on the job site or, or at work or in your career. Um, you know how to get through these situations. And so, you know, once you know the path and you know the way to getting better or getting good at something, you can start to apply it to every facet of life, you know. And so, uh, you know, how you do one thing is how you do everything. And, and you know, the goal for me was always to be a good bow hunter. But um, through becoming a good bow hunter, I figured out the the pathway to be able to be good at things and be able to handle tough situations and be able to have mental fortitude and and then I'm able to apply it to all these different things in my life and be successful at all these different endeavors not just bow hunting you know so yeah man I think it's so important and I think it's a beautiful thing you work so hard at your craft uh, have such a good head on your shoulders it's gonna do nothing but serve you well in the future uh, like you uh, you you have the perfect recipe to be able to get really good at backcountry bow hunting and everything you do, man. It's um, really fun to sit down and and um, talk with you. You have great insight into it. Appreciate the heck out of that, man. I, I, I'll take any compliment I can get these days, um, but no, for real. But that just comes with, you know, talking to like-minded people, I think, and also the way that I was raised. My dad did a pretty decent job with me, and, you know, we don't boo-hoo over on my end of things. We just put our head down, work hard, and it's always half full for me in every aspect. I always try to find the positive in whatever I'm doing. Um, and I love what I do, man. I, I love this. Like I said, I don't, no one's making me go out there and, and suffer throughout these things or in the mountains or whatever, but I genuinely love that. I love doing hard things. I think that's how you grow as an individual. And that's that, man. I just, I appreciate you. Yeah, um, just uh, just to to bring light to one more thing you said is um, that not playing the victim or not having a, a victim mentality. Like bad things are gonna happen to you in life, and nobody gets a fair shot. Like, and some people have it harder than others. Uh, but 
you know, like what your family taught you, what your dad taught you to not be the victim or to not be boohoo me or to why does this always happen to me or why are these bad things happening? Instead, you just uh, you approach them and um, you you make your way through them, like whatever it is you need, whatever steps you need to take forward, whatever you need to do uh, on the mental side of things to wrap your mind around them, to be a leader, like you just move forward with that instead of like I just see – the the victim mentality and then i see uh, uh the entitlement too like everybody thinks they deserve the best manager position before they've put in their time and paid their dues of learning their craft to become the best at their craft and then be a manager then be lead a job or um you know i just see so many guys that just get in a field and want to be at the top of that field you know and it's like well you got you got to pay your dues you got to put your time in you got to learn your craft you know and so I think if you can go through life and not have the entitlement that that you're owed something that you deserve it, you know, kind of like what you were talking about earlier when you talked about how hard you work out and how much you train and just feeling like you deserve that animal, which I do feel like I deserve that animal, but I don't feel entitled to it. Like you have to go out and earn it just like you were talking about. Um, and I think just not feeling entitled in this world and that goes in life and in bow hunting, not feel like um, uh, you're a victim or all these bad things are happening to me like on this hunt is so tough. There's so much pressure, the weather, like why is it happening to me? Why can't it just be good weather? Instead, you just focus on the next step, half gla uh, glass half full and uh, what your next move is. So, man, it's a beautiful thing. It starts and ends with the mind and you definitely have your mind right. So, yeah, it's time to um, uh, put our training in and then try to attack this next season man it's going to be fun we should um, we should meet up for one of those trail runs since we, uh, we're both in Montana meeting halfway in one of these mountains and doing a, a big double digit uh, a mile day would be so fun dude hey as soon as the snow gets off the ground and this weather at least gets over 32 degrees I'm I'm all in with that you be careful what you wish for now <laughs> Yeah, yeah, likewise. <laughs> I, I, can, I, can, I can run a little bit, yeah. but, man, I would – that'd be an honor, man. I'd be – I bet be you can. to do that. Yeah, it'd be super fun, man. Um, yeah, well, super cool. Um, it's been really fun to uh, meet and sit down and have an in-depth conversation with you, Tyler. I really enjoyed it. You'll have to come back on the show here after season. Would love to, man. No, appreciate it. It's an honor coming on your show. You've been doing this for a long time. Obviously, you're one of the best – bow hunters in my opinion out there so to get down and talk to somebody as like-minded as me and you know hopefully this helps a few people because i i'm sure that a lot of people will hopefully listen so hopefully they can grab a nugget or two from our conversation and would love to do it again man yeah that's awesome um well, thanks so much, man. Uh, 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 Knock Performance is the podcast. You can go check Tyler out over there. He does a great job with that podcast. Congratulations on all your success. It's well-deserved. And, uh, yeah, can't wait to see what you turn up this season with your bow. Appreciate that, man. You too. Keep shining bright. All right, guys. That's a wrap. Yeah, fun conversation with Tyler. I'm going to get together with that guy and um, – do a run he's in montana here try to meet him halfway but uh yeah just a great conversation make sure to go check out his podcast knock performance and uh social media and things of that nature and thanks to tyler for taking the time and coming on uh, make sure to support our sponsors um we have the new sponsor at silencer central uh, again that um silencer that they're making for the the backcountry 
uh, is that Banish Backcountry Silencer, super lightweight. Again, going to quiet down that rifle, save your hearing. Also going to be uh, less kick, which is um, uh, going to make you more accurate with your rifle. Check out Zamrilin boots. Again, my favorite ones are the Saluth. They're going to have a mid-height this year that you can go check out. And also check out Sig Sauer. Just great rangefinders, great binos, scopes. Uh, also, they have that new Zulo 6 uh, image stabilizing binos that are going to be coming out here at the first part of May, so I'll make sure to let you guys know about that. Um, uh, also check out Black Ovis and uh, Camo Fire. Black Ovis has the elevated 10 promo code to save 10% off your order, so you can check those guys out. And uh, check out Eastman's The Mule Deer Course promo to save 10% is Brian MDC. And then for Tag Hub, it's Brian to get a free subscription to Mountain Tough Fitness. And, um, man, with that, just kind of getting back and getting in the groove of things. Feels good to get back running and shooting my bow and training. Bear season is open. It's a real late year around here. We hardly have any grass yet. So uh, if you refer back a couple podcasts to when I did that bear podcast, uh, you can catch them coming out of the dens this time of year. Um, yeah, and I may go this weekend for like a backpack adventure. I know my wife's gone and so, uh, I might go for a couple days and go just put on a bunch of miles and, uh, sleep in the dirt and that's where I'm happiness. Have my bow and arrow as that thing's all dialed and, um, yeah, might just catch a big old broon coming out of his den somewhere or maybe even starting on the grass if I, if I hunt some low spots. I hear we have some good weather coming in. It's been around 50s in here and we're supposed to see even some 60s and maybe 70s, which would be awesome. So, um, yeah, just living life to the fullest, trying to draw some tags here, man. It's tough out west. So uh, just trying to line up my season and um, trying to, to engage and implement backup plans and backup plans to the backup plans and uh, make sure I've got a full season. But it's looking good. Um, just love to get lucky on one of these good tags, but uh, we'll, uh, we'll see what happens. Keep checking, uh, looking for a successful draw out. So uh, hopefully you guys are planning out your season as well and um, have some hunts planned. Uh, it's going to be great. Um, man, it's going to be fun. Uh, can't wait to just um, want to work hard at my skill sets here in the off season and come into season swinging and um, see if I can't put down some good critters and have some good adventures and have some time and be low stress. And so really looking forward to it. So thanks, you guys, for all the support. I really appreciate it. And um, with that, I'll check in with you next week.